0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Thank you for being with me, being with me for your your week. Your week's very busy, and uh, I I thank you for listening to this podcast. You have a lot of choices, and you're you're choosing to be with me. You're choosing to be with me, and Ryan's here. I'm here. Don't forget, Ryan, if you don't want to be with me, you can be with Ryan. I'm choosing to be with you thank you for choosing to be with me choosing to be with michael yeah and he's still got the mustache some people have commented on the mustache they like it some i forgot like the mustache th- i forgot it was still there i think i like the mustache when there has some scruff with it yeah it's a little less um jarring por- porny porny yeah porny porny <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true uh, we'll get to the guest in a, in a, in a second, but uh, I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to be in St. Louis May 13th with Tom Welling. We're going to do a Smallville Nights on a Friday night, so look at that uh, St. Louis con. Uh, you could uh, We're going to post something uh, here soon. So May 13th, that weekend in St. Louis. I'll be in Liverpool May 21st, or that weekend around there. Uh, June 10th, Illinois, Metropolis Con in uh, Metropolis, Illinois. June 17th for two weeks, Australia, Perth, and sydney uh july 28th raleigh and august 12th boston uh, so make sure you come see me please come see me uh, also uh, the inside of you online store is open if you want to get any cool merch <clears throat> smallville stuff there's smallville script signed lunch boxes inside of you tumblers tons of cool stuff so go to the inside of you online store and also if you want any sunspin merch or you want to zoom me uh, you could zoom me on sunspin.com and there are zooms there you could book the band I'm on cameo eh, you know it's all that stuff um, and what are our handles if you want to follow us if this is your first time listening I hope you'll you'll join us
1: at inside of you pod on Twitter at inside of you podcast on Instagram and Facebook no yeah. and that is how you can find it
0: that's it it's yeah. easy. Also, if you want to join Patreon, join me. Support the podcast. We need you. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash inside of you. And, uh, you know, however you want to support the podcast. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. There's tiers. I send merch. Uh, I'll send you a message after you join. We could use your help. So thank you. This week's guest, Mark Paul Gossler. I've I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for a while. He's fantastic. He's such a great guy. Um, You've seen him in everything. um, Mixed-ish, The Passage. He's been on tons of shows um, and movies. You you know him a lot by Saved by the Bell, um, Zach Morris. So I finally got him on the podcast. And he was very uh, open and uh, gave me a lot of good stuff, gave us a lot of good stuff. So... um, So without further ado, let's get inside of Mark Paul Gosler. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Wait a minute. We're starting this podcast off with You Have a Bad Memory?
1: (laughs) really good
0: how, how have you done all these shows all these shows that require you learning a lot of dialogue and your memory isn't good because I always say the same thing like I can't remember shit I have to go over shit a million times before I get it right
1: I have a, a flash memory and I can remember things like if, if you told me if you give me a piece of paper with a monologue on it I could probably get it in about five minutes no problem but retaining it it goes out. When I walk out the door, it's gone. And I just, that's like a, um, I was listening to Howard Stern yesterday and he was saying like, his memory is like a fishbowl. Like he goes to the other side of the fishbowl and it's a new experience. That's how I am. I kind of, I guess I (laughs) live in the moment, which is scary because a lot of great things have happened to me and I don't remember a lot of it. And I feel bad for the people that experienced it with me. For instance, my wife, right? She'll say, do you remember this? And I'm like, I don't, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And I, it doesn't mean that I didn't have a great time doing it. It's just my brain doesn't work that way.
0: Wow. So what's give me an example of something you might not remember, maybe going to, uh, you know, the botanical gardens together, something that was really nice and sweet. And it was like five years ago, you won't re- be able to retain that or you, you kind of, it's vague.
1: Very vague. I'd say vague. Um, there's certain, yeah, I mean, Again, I, how, how would I remember these things? Because I can't remember, you know, how can I remember those experiences and give you an example if I can't remember them? <laughs> uh, this, this was the whole reason that I started the podcast. Uh, my, my podcast um, was because I don't remember my experience on Saved by the Bell to a certain degree. And the degree of that was I don't remember the work of it. And I don't remember the day-to-day of it, but I remember little experiences here and there when we'd go offset, when we'd go to Ed Bevick's and we'd hang out with other uh, child actors, when we'd go uh, on location to Palm Springs or Hawaii or things like that. You you remember little bits and pieces like that. Um, But just the other day, I mean, Tiffany, um, who, uh, if people don't know, played Kelly, uh, she was talking to me and she goes, remember when I got my license and I drove up to you and I got in an accident with you in the car? And I go, you did? I have no recollection wow. of that. And that was a big thing for her. And she says, "Yeah, you helped me like work through it and I, I have no I have no idea what she's talking about." It's as if I'm talking to a stranger.
0: That is unbelievable. How you just don't rem- I mean, I remember <laughs> shit, but like I I'm not one who could learn a monologue in 5 minutes. I'll take a week to learn it and then I'll know it inside out and I it kind of stays with me for a little while but I think I'd rather have your memory in a sense that you could just pick up something, do it. And then I don't know, I guess there's a bad, bad side to both.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I mean, you remember when your kids were born, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I have have four of them. So I, I, you know, I have, I have four chances to remember, but yes, I remember, I remember the burns. Where
0: did you and I meet? You think the first time this, you're never going to get that. I I, I think didn't you play hockey.
1: I, I used to play hockey. Um, you know, it's funny. I was I was trying to remember if this story is true or not because it lives in my head, so I have no one to ask. But when I got NYPD Blue, I had just gotten off of um, a WB show, and Smallville was on CW, right?
0: Mm-hmm. WB, and then we then went to CW, right?
1: Right, uh, and and. Um, because wasn't it like WB and UPN, and then they all ver- merged into like the CW or something like that? Am I getting I, that right? I,
0: I know that Warner Brothers, WB became CW. I don't know if UPN did. Did they, Ryan? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Fuck, you're asking the wrong person.
1: Well, the, the story was is that I was on a WB show, and it was pilot season. And I actually went in to go read for uh, a Stephen Bochco pilot called Philly with Kim Delaney. And before I walked in, um, they had already offered it to Tom Everett Scott, who I did a movie with a few years um, prior. And I said, fuck it, I'm going. I'm still going in. I, w- I want to go in and I want to get this role. I really like the role and I think I can reverse their offer. Um, which, you know, is, it, it doesn't happen in, in, in this business. Um, but I went in and I, it was the first time I met Stephen. At the end of it, he says you're really good and I'd like to work with you. And I thought, oh, you know, he's just being nice. And uh, he goes, I know it's pilot season, but keep me up to date. If you get if you get something, let me know. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing. So we tried with my management at the time, uh, we tried to get anything we possibly could and Smallville came around. And I looked at it and I go, I'm not right for this. This isn't my jam. I, 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 I'm not a, I don't know much about the superhero world. I didn't grow up with it. Um, I didn't quite understand the character, but I remember going in for Smallville and really shitting the bed on that interview, but it was just so that I could possibly get something in pilot season so that I could go back to Stephen Botchko and bring it to him. Uh, and that—that that, 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 I think that, I don't know if you and I met while we were reading or if you were offered that.
0: No, um, I, I, I read, I read for that. Uh, it was one of those things where they said, you know, 700 guys, came in i'm like what the what are they fucking doing wrong why don't you tell me what they're doing wrong that was the kind of thing did you so you read for it
1: i did read for it and i don't know if you are I, I right for the part you were no, i think you
0: were right for but, that i
1: mean no not then not then not, not then i was not then i was you know i was a very immature 28 year old i think at the time and i wasn't right then um it took me a while to, to to blossom, as they say, Michael. But, um, but uh, <laughs> a, after that, I got—I uh, I actually didn't need to get anything in that pilot season because Stephen Bajcic came and offered me a role on NYPD Blue to replace uh, Rick Schroeder. Wow! So it all worked out. How but, hard
0: was it, by the way, working on a series like NYPD Blue? Because it was really popular, and there's—I mean, it's pretty intense, right?
1: Yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad we're not doing it now. I'm glad I'm not like walking onto a show that like that. Now, because with all social media and everyone has an opinion, and you can read about everyone's opinions. Back then, uh, early 2000, there was one guy with a blog, um, uh, Seppenwall, um, Alan Seppenwall, who you know still writes and critiques stuff. And he had a, a fan page, and I just remember reading that I was going to shit the bed. I was going to bring the franchise down. Uh, I was horrible. And by the way, I thought they were right. Like I was, I was literally. Um, uh, I was literally uh, thinking the same thing. Like I'm a California kid. I'm playing a New York detective alongside Dennis Franz, who is arguably the best um, actor of that generation. Uh, you know, he, he had been nominated nine times for an Emmy uh, through the course of that 12 uh, year run. And I'm coming in as, as this kid who I, I didn't feel i proved myself i didn't read for the role so Stephen Botchko basically hired me off of an audition that i did for another role um but i you know i'm sure you've done things where you've been offered things and you doubt yourself you're like i do they do they really think i can do this character can i do this can I, do i think i can do this character
0: yeah and you know what's scarier is when you actually get an offer, you'd almost rather audition because they see you audition and they're like, yes, that's what you're doing yeah, is right. Exactly. Because when you go get an offer and you go on set and you start doing something they're like, no, it, yeah. what do you, t- I don't know what the fuck to do. You just gave me an offer. What am I?" Then you feel kind of lost.
1: Yeah. That's and, terrifying. And it, I'm sure you and I are the same way. Like I have no problem going into an audition and being rejected, right? Not getting
0: it. Oh, I've done Based that a of on- times.
1: Whatever. I mean, it happens to all of us, right? We go in, we give our best. We're not the guy. Maybe it's a look, maybe it's our read, maybe it's the casting director, the producer's having a bad day, whatever it is. But the one thing that I would think hurts the most is being fired off of something, getting something, being on a set, being around your peers, and then going, yeah, you know what? This isn't what we wanted, and then being fired. That Have be you the been worst.
0: fired? Have you been fired?
1: I. <laughs> uh, the only one that I remember being fired for was a commercial. I believe it was for like wham or something like that. <laughs> and I got fired off the commercial. My my consolation prize was like a box full of toys. But uh, you'll, you'll like this. Um, I was replaced by Paul Walker,
0: who wow. at the
1: time, like Paul and I would were the two blondes in the, uh, in the industry at that time. You know, we were probably eight or nine. At the time, and we were the the guys that would do all the commercials. If you needed a blonde kid, it was either Paul Walker or Mark Paul. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, I remember I remember getting fired. Uh, it was only the one time I got fired, but they they made me the offer. It was uh, a Will Ferrell and uh, McKay uh, show, oh uh, nice, big top show, and they just made me an offer. I had a meeting and they made me an offer and I went in and the whole time they're like, you're killing it. We're watching dailies. The director's coming up to me every day. Oh my God, you're killing it. You're killing it. You're killing it. We ended up having a screening at my house of the show with the cast and everybody. And then two weeks later, they called me the producer in tears and said, well, the good news is, I mean, they want to pick us up for five episodes, but we have to let you go. They want to replace your character. They think your character is too dark and, says the wrong shit and and i was like what we just screened this at my house and every day you're telling me how great i am and it just shows you how it all is bullshit you just you never know when it's gonna happen and i I was just like holy fuck they just let me go i've never been let go and it just it is crushing but then i remember sitting in my office and kind of looking outside going all right you're alive Breathe, breathe. You got a dog here. I love your dog. You love your dog. You got a house. You're lucky to be here. I started to, re- you know, these affirmations, reaffirming that, you know, hey, you know, you're okay. You're gonna be okay. But it was, it was, it was tough to be let go, especially off like your heroes, Will Ferrell, and like, you know, wow, I'm gonna be really working with Will Ferrell. It's his show, and look, the show never made it to air. Uh, they never even shot those five episodes. But still, that feeling I had was like here was my chance. You know, Adam McKay wrote, wrote me an email. Hey, it was nothing you did. I'd love to work with you in the future. Of course, that never happens. How many times do you hear that besides botch telling you I want to work with you and it actually happens. It almost never happens. Has that ever happened before with you?
1: No, the only guy that's been that way with, for me has been Botchko because I did NYPD blue and then he went and jumped to commander in chief, um, a year after we wrapped NYPD Blue and then he did a show called Raising the Bar and he hired me for that as well. Um, and then years later, he actually gave me my uh, second directing gig on one of his shows called Murder in the First. Um, but he always thought of me. He always, he was, he was, he was really good to me. It was like a father figure. He was the first guy I went to when I, uh, uh, <laughs> when I got a divorce and I needed a place to stay. I, I, I went to, you know, his, his, uh, palace in the um in the palisades and said hey can i uh can i rent a room for a little bit he goes what'd you do <laughs> shit happens man and he he was like he was like a, a great father he, he um it was he, he always gave it to me straight i remember sitting in his kitchen it was late because you know these things happen out of nowhere and uh he he just said uh what, what are your plans i said I'm, I'm gonna try to make this work and he just said, don't it's okay. Let it go. He's like, he got a good run out of it. Yeah. Yeah. He gave it to me straight, man. He just said, uh, just, just let it go.
0: And he was right.
1: He was right. He was right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This show is sponsored by better help guys. Listen, we've talked about mental health and improving your health. And, uh, you know, I think the stigma is going away with therapy. And it has helped me immensely. It's helped Ryan and so many of my friends and people around the world. um, You know, just talking to someone objectively and about what's going on in your life. Every time I get on, I think, what am I going to talk about? And within 20 minutes, I'm like so, so glad that I did it. I know. And Ryan, this year has flown by. I mean, what are we? We're halfway through this year. And I think it's really important for all of us to... Celebrate your wins. Sometimes we're just so worried about the problems at hand that we don't celebrate those things that, hey, we're doing okay, we're 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 making it here. And uh, you make adjustments for the rest of the year. And therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. Therapy, therapy is so helpful, so helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma, Therapy truly is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime, no additional charge. I think that's the big hang up. And people are like, What if I don't like my therapist? What if I don't get along? What if I'm not vibing? You switch, there's no questions asked. That's what's so awesome. It's all online. Take a moment, visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com inside.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint
0: Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, get 30, get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at
1: slash switch.
0: $45 up for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time.
1: Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: are you one of those guys that just like, you don't want, you don't like to fail. So you wanted to like, I got to make this work. Cause I'm kind of like that. I don't want things. I don't want to fail. I want to, how do we work this out? How do we figure this out? And you're like that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, don't you think it's our ego then? I mean, Probably. I, 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 yes. I don't like to have, I don't like to have those check marks on my, on my resume. You know, it's, right. uh, um, I, I feel like I, I try I, I like being in control of certain things. Other things, I'm a Pisces. So I kind of go, <laughs> yeah, certain things I like to keep in control. Other things, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, man. Not, not worth my time. Right. Um, and even with the divorce, like I tried to make it work to a certain point. And then once I realized it was over, over, I moved on very quickly. And that was it. I was done. You know, it happens every time I'm on these Zooms. I raise my hand
0: yeah and 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 on here it says you're waving to me i'm like what the fuck is he doing why is there a a hand waving at me
1: (laughs) if i could figure that out i'm literally uh, you know because we (laughs) we do these zooms for auditions now and so you have to meet people on zooms or whatever and i'll raise my i'm I'm a hand talker (laughs) so i raise my hand and then on zoom it says that i'm raising my hand i'm like uh trying not to
0: jesus uh do you get pretty personal on your podcast what's your podcast called
1: it's called Zack to the Future. We're taking a hiatus right now. Um, maybe uh, indefinitely. Um, we did about 50 episodes. We're 50 away from completing the run of the show. Uh, but basically, it was every episode, we'd start from the very beginning. And uh, it was me and my co-host, Dashel Driscoll, who wrote uh, Zack Morris's Trash. Uh, it's a great YouTube series where he basically... Will you know spell it out? Why my character Zach Morris was trash, uh, and he he started as a as a, like as sort of a, a funny little um, you know sketch thing for funnier or Die, and then it took off, and he he did a, I think he did about four seasons of that, and I thought I'm going to do a podcast. I want to do it with this guy. Um, he's also a writer on the uh, reboot of Say by the Bell. Wow. And um, yeah, so we, we started this podcast because I don't remember my experience. It was just sort of like a re education of, of the show. And I'd watch the show a few times, take notes, see if I could jog any sort of memory of the experience. And we would just talk about it. It'd be an hour of just sort of, or, you know, just, just bullshitting.
0: How do you feel when you watch yourself? I mean, are you an actor? Because some <laughs> actors hate watching themselves, they loathe hey. it. Criti-
1: you hate it? Hey.
0: Even when, you young,
1: even when you were young, even when you were young, torture. No, I could appreciate certain things. I could appreciate certain things, but then I would bum myself out because I then work with the new generation of "Saved by the Bell," the new cast, and I realize, and I go, "God, there were there's so much more fucking talented than I ever was back then." Like, wh- why did I? Wh- why did my career go the way it did? From that, like that, to me was mediocre compared to what these new, what this new generation is doing. Um, so I look at it at that point. Like I, I, I say, I could have done that better. I could have taken it more serious. Um, I, I, I try to learn from things, but I don't, I learn from experiences on set. I don't learn from watching myself because then it just becomes like a, it's already set, man. It's like, yeah. it, you know, I I can't do anything about it. Right. It's so I'm just going to go to sleep grumpy.
0: Is there and, something though that you watched that you go, you know what? I was fucking good in that. You know what? I appreciate yeah. my work in that. There is.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: What is that? Uh, do, you, do you recall?
1: I, I really like pitch when I was on pitch. I really liked that show. Um, I like the passage. I, I like some of my work that I've done recently, even on mixed dish. There were some funny things that I thought um, I kind of got right. Uh, and there's a lot of, I still, you know, feel like I got, I got wrong, but um I think it's easier to watch myself if I'm playing a character, if, you know, I'm sure it's the same for you. If you're outside of Michael and you're playing a complete character, I can't judge it as much because, you know, it's, and I, and I, I guess I look back at like Saved by the Bell and that was a character. That wasn't me. I wasn't a cool kid. I didn't even have blonde hair. I mean, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, my mother's Indonesian. My father's Dutch. Um, I, I, you know, I have. Uh, I come from a, a mixed family, and I'm playing the whitest kid in America. <laughs> you know,
0: that's true. And it's
1: and but you would think like, oh, I look back and say, oh, that's a character. But I, I just some of the choices that I made um, with the dialogue, I I, I just feel I could have done better.
0: But did you have a lot of experience before then with acting?
1: <laughs> Not really. I mean, commercials and stuff. Yeah.
0: So well, I mean, it's you can't be that hard on yourself when you really hadn't done anything except for commercials Dude, going up.
1: But look at these kids nowadays. Look at these kids. I mean, I, just watch any show that has a kid on it, and they're amazing. Like they they have such talent. Not only that, they're 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 acting, they're singing, they're dancing, they're ju- they're just entertainers.
0: But don't you think some of it has to do with the how it's written, the quality of the work? I mean, you guys are on Saved by the Bell. No offense, but it was like kind of fluff, fun, you know,
1: <laughs> right? You Don't say that, Michael. You know, I got in trouble one time for saying that. Well, I remember. Uh, it's a different. No, between- I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Right. I totally agree with you. But 12 years ago, I had said that the work I did on Saved by the Bell was not breaking bad. You know, basically saying that the writing was not breaking bad. Well. Am I right? I mean, anybody yes, would say, I tell have. you you're right. Oh, I got to, I, I remember being on a bicycle ride after I said that I said it in some, you know, press line or something. I was on a bicycle ride and some buddy from TMZ, uh, got my number and called me. And I, I didn't even know, I, you know, back then I just picked up the phone. Hello. Uh, would you like to, um, you know, comment on, on your comment about saved by the bell? Because, you know. It sounds like you're in great, un, ungrateful for your experience on a show. I say, oh, fuck, no. Oh, it, it's not what it meant. Of course
0: that's stop. not what you meant. It's just obvious. It's like this is a, a kid show. This was the, what was it, the 80s, yes. the 90s. It was yeah. just kind of, it was on early. It wasn't written for like a darker, we get it. But like, I think that if somebody gave you a different material at that age and you were really working on it, things could have been different in that, in that show. Maybe,
1: maybe, I mean, you know, maybe, um, but yeah, it's, it's that, 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 uh, that show is precious to some people. Still it's is. precious it's to amazing. a lot of
0: people. I mean, it's look at the duration. I mean, how long it's lasted with the, the reunions and the, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, it's something that you've been doing since, well, I mean, the last for, since when, what year did you start?
1: uh 89 89. and the
0: last reunion of it was well recently right
1: yeah we just finished up last season in july uh, well the second season of the peacock reboot uh we we just finished in september of last year
0: and how much fun is that do you
1: like it i really do um like i said the, the cast is amazing it's it's fun to work with the og cast as well (laughs) uh one of the best experiences that I've had um was directing last season one of the episodes so getting to direct the new cast the old cast it was it was a lot of fun that's amazing
0: did you know growing up in California do you think things were it was harder for you to grow up in California than it would be if you were growing up in the Midwest or somewhere away from the whole industry do you think you know things would have been a lot different for you
1: no, not really, because I always, I always think that I grew up outside of the industry. I grew up in the valley. I grew up in um, Sun Valley, and uh, for me, my, wor- I always say this, but my, my world was was very brown, uh, sepia toned in a way. Um, we lived in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. Uh, the other white people were sometimes uh, like Hell's Angels or bikers. It's a little rough <laughs> crowd in, in Sun, Sunland, Sun Valley, Tonga. Right. Uh, it was a rough crowd back then, and I used to I used to go to a private school, uh, sort of halfway between Sun Valley and let's say Studio City, and it was a private school there. And you would travel down L- Laurel Canyon, heading uh, sort of southwest, south, and you would see Mulholland, and you would see the green hills. And I always like you know, and and then when I'd go for auditions, we'd go over Mulholland, we'd go down into Hollywood, and for me that was like green it was success uh it was different than where i grew up where you know everyone had manicured lawns and my lawn manicured but you know next door neighbors might be dirt um and i grew up around a lot of dirt and so i didn't feel like i grew up uh in the industry in hollywood in beverly hills you didn't feel you that know. at all no and and uh, you know my my really good friend Meyer, he he kind of grew up in the hills and went to Beverly Hills high and, uh, sort of was, you know, hanging out with people. But when I, when I went back home, I, I, I hung out with just civilians in a way, you know, I didn't, I didn't hang out with people in the industry. My parents weren't in the industry. Um, it was a fluke for me to get in. I just kind of got in on a whim. How, what,
0: what was that? I'm sure you've talked about that, but what is it?
1: No, it was. I was four years old, and I, my mom had a friend who did like print work. She was a model that did print work, and, and um, she said, oh, "Yeah, the, the, the typical thing. You got your kid's cute. You should get him in front of the camera." And uh, that's exactly what we did. We just sort of used her agent to get into um, the business, and I did print work for a while, and then did commercials and then theatrical stuff. But I grew up in the valley. I, I, um, I, I, I uh, did not feel a part of.
0: The business in any way right outsider you're uh i look i had a dysfunctional family i always talk about this shit on the podcast i had dysfunction but my parents stayed together they should have got divorced a long fucking time ago i always said that i like i wish you would have got no we wanted you to get through high school my fuck you you were so fucked up it was way worse for us you should have got divorced your parents got divorced at a young age right
1: well i don't know that they legally got divorced they were separated it was really Odd because my dad would sometimes be there and then sometimes he wouldn't, uh, so I never knew you know what what you were going to get. And then I know that he had an apartment somewhere and I stayed there a few times, but it they were never officially divorced. Uh, neither one of them really wanted to, to to give it up, even though it was over. I mean, it was over as long as I can remember. Um, but yeah, they 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 never moved on. Although my dad. My dad was with the same woman that uh, kind of that he was with uh, at the time that they they split until the day he died um, with the same woman. She was an angel to him. Uh, her name was Angela, and um, you know she, she just became a part of our family and and um, sweet lady. And she took care of my father when he was sick. Uh, and and but yeah, they but they never. I don't think they ever got divorced.
0: What year did he pass?
1: uh last year oh yeah uh, not last two, 2020
0: was that just brutal for you was it, was it something that you were expecting or was it just kind of happened
1: yeah it was something we, we were expecting it was we were expecting it he, he um he was in poor health and and we sort of I, I knew it i was working at the time and um i got a chance uh to to see him two weeks before he passed away it was one of those things that we knew he was gonna he was gonna pass so right he passed pretty quickly after that And
0: your parents, they were always supportive with with you acting and doing all these things?
1: Um, Yeah, I think so. Uh, Again, they were never in the industry. They had no um, desire to be a part of the industry. My father worked in sort of uh, a manufacturing plant for aluminum in Torrance. And he would make that drive from Sun Valley to Torrance every day, which was crazy. It's probably why he wanted to get a divorce, (laughs) so he could live closer. Right. Um, but uh, my mom was, you know, I'm, I'm putting air quotes up right now, was my, was my manager until I was 18. Wow. Um, they were supportive in the way that you're supportive of your kid doing Little League. You know, they, they, they took me to every game. They, they rooted for me from the sidelines.
0: Told you they um, loved you. Told you they support you. Told you they loved you, all that stuff.
1: All that stuff. I, I I I had nothing but love for my parents. We I heard that word, I love you every day. Wow. Um, but I think they also love the 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 monetary aspect of, of being a, a child actor. Yeah. You know, we have to put some of it into a trust, but then others you know, like wow, we got a car and it has <laughs> the license plate says four MPG. Oh well thank <laughs> Wait you. Wait a minute. I Mark? can't drive it. I can't drive it, but thank you. That's my car. Yeah.
0: But they socked a lot of money away from you. And I got to think that, you know, being on a show, you probably didn't get paid that much when you are on Saved by the Bell.
1: No. I think at the height of it, again, I don't know the finances because I wasn't involved at that time, but I think at the height of it, we were getting paid maybe 5000 a week for a show.
0: 5000 a week on a show. Now you think... That's a lot of money, $5,000 a week. Well, you got agents and taxes, and you're walking out of there with two grand a week on a show that's a hit show that people are, kids are watching all across the world, and you're making $5,000 an episode. I think when people assume that when you're on TV, they assume you're making millions of dollars, but that's not where you're making your bucks.
1: No, it's not where you're making their bucks. And then you think like, well, you went to syndication. <laughs> syndication for us, I get syndication checks. I, I mean, I, I I giggle about it because somebody had to print that on a check. But it's like 13 cents, 10 cents for you know uh, hundreds of shows being shown. It, it it's run its course.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: So no, I don't I don't make. And then you would think like, oh well, what about merchandise? Well, we got screwed out of that too. We don't get any money for merchandise. Um, you know, we don't we don't get much. So. Uh, when you see our names as producers on a, on the the Peacock show, it's a nice it's a nice way for us to be a part of the show again. Right, and we we have always from day one. Um, well, I shouldn't say from day one. I, I'd say there was a period there where we were all struggling to break free of that. You know, the the, the sort of stigma attached to say by the bell. But for the most part, we've we've all been very positive. About our experiences with the with that uh, show.
0: It's also amazing that you've. Um, are you guys all still friends mostly?
1: Sure. Yeah, I
0: think so. And you know, I read, and you know, of course, this is old news, but it said you, you actually dated three of your co-stars. But you're probably a kid when that happened.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, it, it all happened in the span of the, the show. None of us dated after the show was canceled. <laughs>
0: And so yeah. there was no bad blood about that. There was like, who was the one that you think you crushed on the hardest? That like it wasn't just dating, like you thought you were in love with.
1: Uh, I I I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so I I think I can say that I I probably didn't have the biggest crush on Tiffany only because Tiffany and I had a different relationship. Her and I were very uh, we're almost like siblings in a way. I know that's hard for people who watch the show. It's like Zach and Kelly were siblings, but that's we really had a, a closeness that that's what that closeness translated into. And it's still to this day. She's probably the closest one that I that uh, to, that I that I have a relationship with now.
0: Wow. Um,
1: yeah, her and I, you know, probably see each other more than anyone else, and, and uh, partly because I, I really like her husband. Brady, uh, um, <laughs> he, he's just, a, he's just an amazing dude and, yeah. and they have good kids. And, and I, you know, I, I, I really like her and I, 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 yeah, I like her family and stuff like that. I like everyone's, but Tiffany and I always had this closeness, but it was, it translated into being siblings. And then when we kind of dated, it was just awkward. It was weird. It, it didn't feel as great as like the relationship we had before.
0: Uh, you know, I know this because I think we've compared bruises or like, you know, I know that you do the cycling and the motocross and the auto racing and all this shit. You, your passion is for racing cars, aren't you? Are you? You're pretty bruised up, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I love that quote his passion is racing cars I think I said that back in 1996 when I was racing cars not
0: anymore you no don't race real- any cars anymore well, no I,
1: I I quickly realized that racing cars takes a lot of money <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. I, I don't I, I have four kids I, I go to private school so I, I can't uh, spend my money on on airplanes and cars like I used to um my background is racing motocross I started racing when I was five I, I started riding when I was three my brother is 16 years older than me. He's still in the industry. He is considered one of the greatest mechanics of motocross history. Wow. And uh, he's the one that kind of got me into it. He has four boys. They were all pro at one point in their career. Um, and then that sort of translated into racing cars because that was a new thing. And then uh, then when that dried up, I went into racing bicycles um, and, and uh, did road biking and, and did pretty well. I, I, I raced at the highest level of amateurs um and traveled with a team and just had a lot of fun doing that um but yeah i'm, I'm pretty banged up i mean you and i both have had surgery on our neck yeah um, do you have an artificial I, disc I,
0: in your neck do you have an artificial disc? no not yet you, are you fused
1: no 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 I, I had the first thing where they just scope you i know oh. you you have you have the fusion yeah i've had right? the
0: fusion in the neck and then seven surgeries on my lower back so yeah. Oh my God! Why?
1: How did you? Just
0: hockey how- and degenerative discs, and you know, I hey, hate it's embarrassing, but I think it all started at me working in a grocery store, and uh, we were throwing boxes, stocking boxes in the back, and everybody was throwing these like boxes of Del Monte fucking fruit or whatever the hell they were, and I remember catching one and go, "Oh man, that was weird," and ever since that, they all started, all the problems started. So really, when I was Do about seventeen, were- I was seventeen, so I had my first surgery when I was eighteen. And it just never stopped. They say once you have sur- one surgery, you, you start having a lot, and that's what sort of happened to me. But you haven't had any surgeries, really?
1: No, I mean, I my first major injury happened when I was sixteen. I, I fractured my sternum. I I tore ligaments my neck. My neck was was really bad, and I I never got it fixed to the point I should have, and and really. Um, Uh, sort of just been aware more of of my neck. I mean, if there's one thing I could tell the the younger me was just take some time off, you know, and, and get, get it right because it will catch up to you at some point. And it caught up for me after I, I, I did pitch. Um, You know, we were training every single day, just at at a, at a level 10 and above. Um, And then after that season, I got my first shoulder surgery and then the next uh, two years after that, I got another shoulder surgery, and then the year after that, I got a neck surgery. And those are the only surgeries I've ever had. Um, a lot of stitches, a lot of broken things, but never, never any surgeries.
0: Do you want to race cars again at some point? I'd
1: like to. Yeah, I'd like to, but I also know that how expensive it is. So well, need, How, is it? To, how like, expensive like, is it? It's pretty. I mean, listen, I I need to be on on Grey's Anatomy like Patrick Dempsey, and then just basically. <laughs> uh use that money to just supplement my uh racing career. He he's a great driver. Right. Um but he also made some great money and and the more money you have, the more seat time you can get, the better of a driver you can be and the faster you'll go. So um and the more opportunities. So racing cars is a is a is a pretty rich man and women sport in my opinion.
0: How fast have you gone? What's the fastest speed you've ever gone in a car?
1: Yeah, I don't know because a lot of the cars that I race, they don't have speedometers, but I do remember being on a motorcycle and I used to do road racing on motorcycles. And I was at Fontana and I was on a um a street bike. It was I think I got a loaner from Yamaha at the time or or Honda and the speedometer was on there. And I remember going down the front straightaway and looking at the, the speedometer and going, that says 160. Holy shit. And then you know, going into the first turn. But that was the only time that I've ever had like a speedometer. On, on the thing I was racing and i we were doing 160 on the front straight Jesus
0: motorcycles scare the shit out of me I just won't get on one i just i just, <laughs> I, just I just like you know you, you know what I shouldn't be no you should be. yeah it's I, not I, about you driving it's about the guys that are backing up or trying to get in the lane they don't see you and that's that's the danger right
1: I discourage a lot of my friends from getting motorcycles all the time and i'm an advocate for motorcycles I'm an advocate for motorcycle safety. Um, but I always describe people like it, it, it's too dangerous, especially here in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I see it all the time. You have so many, like, and they say, well, you, you know, I used to commute on a motorcycle when I was doing NYPD blue for those four years. I commuted when I was in Atlanta, um, every day, all I had was a motorcycle there when I was there for six months doing the passage. Um, I feel safer on freeways, oddly enough, because you only have to really worry about two directions. What's coming at you, and possibly what's coming behind you, but you're you're going so fast. Hopefully that you're you'll stay out of trouble, which is kind of weird to say. Right. um But on a street, man, it's four directions that you have to worry about. What's coming at you from the sides, from behind you, just a lot. And then if you go like, and I never do this, but a lot of guys like to go to the Maholland and do the roads and man, that's just too fucking dangerous for me. It's like if there's a pebble or, or a debris in the corner Anything. and I'm going through there or a cyclist or a car jumps the yellow line, fuck, man, but you're done. You're done.
0: That easily, that quickly too. You know, you you said once you always had a feeling that you're losing everything, so you're a real saver. Is that still true? That you always feel like, fuck, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to, what is that? Where does that come from?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I I, I we grew up, squarely middle class but I guess I always felt like we were kind of below middle class because the the kids that I went to school with I felt that they they they, they had a better lifestyle and you know than I did and again like I said I always looked up towards the Mulholland, the greenness and, and that part of the valley compared to where we were um I don't know my my parents you know they, they worked their asses off they had great work ethic um I I've I've I thought my I had a career going until the you know the end of Saved by the Bell and I thought, oh man, was just, you know, I'm I'm in. This is this is my this is my job. I'm I I have I'm gonna make a living. And then I didn't work for about two years and it was it was scary and and didn't have an income. And it's not like you know, I, I could go and get a job waiting tables because a, I was re- still recognizable. B, my ego. Um, so you know, I was like detailing cars with my cousin uh, to try to make a try to make a living at certain things. And and it's not not that I'm afraid of work because I love work I love to work with my hands. I love to I love manual labor. Um, and I, I I I I really do. Um, but the but, ego, you know, it
0: was the ego, really wasn't it? It was the ego.
1: It was the ego. I was, I was like, oh, "Fucking dude, I'm, I can't even walk into a mall." Without people recognizing me, but I, I, I'm I'm fighting to get a job. Like, what am I going to do? What is like, yeah? A, it was a bad position to be in.
0: And how long did it take you before you started making money again, and you were all right?
1: Uh, well, the show wrapped in '94 when we did the college years, and I think '96 is when I started working again. I got a I got a TV movie for NBC, of all places, because we were always on NBC, and I got a NBC movie that I auditioned for. Um, it wasn't an offer, and then uh, after that things started happening again, but I don't know, man, you know, it's like, I, I think that everything is, everything is dispensable in a way, you know, nothing is in my eyes forever. And I just want to make sure that I appreciate everything that I have in my life and um, not take it for granted. You know, my, my marriage, my kids, my health. Yeah. Um, You know, there's a point in your life where you just realize, Holy shit, it's all limited, right? Like it's, 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 it's not, it's, it, it's not, we're not going to be here forever.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I think that's true. The older you get, you start to think about, wow, we're all expendable. We're all going to the same place. How many years do I actually have left? And what do I really love? What do I really want to, who do I really want to spend my time with in these however, however many years you have, you start to think more about those things.
1: Yeah. I, when I, when I was going through, um, the divorce, my, my, uh, therapist at the time, um, he basically said, uh, you know, a lot of people think life is short. He goes, but it's not, it's it's long. Life is long. And I was 36 when I, when I was going through this and he said, you've only been living your life for about 18 years. You know, when you, when you, when you turned 18, you became an adult, you started living your life. He goes, you have another 50 plus years ahead of you that are all yours. You can make, you can, it's your decisions. Uh, and he says, so think about that like the amount of time it took me to get to 36 and that felt like a lifetime and he goes but you you haven't even you you have 50 years of that left
0: yeah wow what do you think you would have done if you didn't act
1: uh i don't know i i've always been in sport i i i think like every other kid i wanted to be in the super bowl and you know i I have memories of watching uh the 49ers in the super bowl Joe montana. Watching montana rice clark you know that, uh and clark and that catch and just yeah. you know having a football in the living room and just diving on the floor and, and having <laughs> dreams of doing that uh one day and yeah probably i, I would want to do something in sport always yeah. wanted to
0: do you still get sensitive are you sensitive to you know, like being on a show and then it gets canceled. Cause Lord knows we've all been on shows and they get canceled. Are you one of those that you're just like, when somebody goes, Oh, they're going to get, you're going to get picked up. Right. Are you usually like not even going there? I know it's not as, as far as I'm concerned, this is probably it. What's your mentality with all that?
1: Yeah, um, It's funny that you bring this up because my wife, um, you know, she just goes, can't you ever be happy when, you know, it's like, if 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 I if I get a show, for instance, right, and it's like it, it, your show gets picked up. I'm like, yeah, but babe, it has to air, and then after it airs, it has to get, um, you know, the certain rating, and after the first year, we got to get a second year, and after that, we have to get into syndication. There's always something. Always. And she goes, yeah, but just be happy for what it is. I go, but I don't know if I can't anymore because we've been in this business for, oh, I, I mean, you. I, I've been in for over 30 years. When did you get your SAG card? Uh,
0: Probably when I was uh, 23, 24. So 25 years. Yeah. I got my SAG
1: card in 84. (laughs) Wow. Um, And a lot has happened. I mean, I've had a lot of ups and downs. um, But you just, you know, like you you take a show and, and like pitch, for instance, I auditioned for that. I fought for it. Um, I, I worked my ass off to be that character. Some of the greatest material I ever, I ever got. Um, you know, some of the best uh, compliments I ever had in my life from people, my peers and critics and things like that. And it doesn't go. And it's Dan Fogelman. Dan Fogelman. this is us and pitch. Those are the two shows that year. This is us takes off and becomes what it is. And pitch, you know, shits the bed and, and dies then you go to the passage again. We get you know a great material and, and great IP and great people and uh, last year. Then you go to a mixed dish and you're on mixed dish and you're like, oh my god. Well, I can retire off of this. I'm working with Kenya Barris and all the people from Blackish and look at the run Blackish has had, you know, and the 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 pedigree that you're working with. And you're like, okay, I'm done. And then it goes a season and a half and it's done. See, nothing. Nothing is a guarantee.
0: Nothing is a guarantee. So at this point, do you think you have pretty fucking thick skin where you're like, you know, like, you <laughs> no. know, hey, bring it to me. I don't have any expectations. Do you yeah. think now, like no, your wife I, said, you're going to enjoy the moment more or you still can't do that?
1: No, I don't think I can. I, I I still care too much. I really do. I really care about I really care about the work and I care about the people. And um, it's a tough business for, for people who really give a shit. I always think that the less, the less shit I gave, the easier this business would be for me. Right. I mean, if you just were like, I don't fucking care. I, I, I just worry about myself. I just worry about myself and you know, whatever comes, comes, I've never been that way in my life. I've always thought of my family first and then my, my, you know, the, the people around me. And um, yeah, I think I, I should give less fucks. That, that's going to be my, my, uh, my resolution for 2022
0: give less fucks
1: give less fucks
0: god it would be so nice i I think about it all the time i just want to care less just if i could just care less i'll be better off and you try but it's just like i think that's where passion comes in it's like you're so passionate that's it's hard to give no fucks (laughs) you know what i mean you're just so passionate about something you want something to work and it doesn't how do you just go oh yeah fuck it i don't give a shit you give a shit because you care because you're passionate you know what i mean
1: yeah, but then you, I mean, you see it in our business. There's a lot of people that don't give fucks, and man, are they successful.
0: Yeah, I know. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. <Mark>. Fuck them. <laughs> hey, this is called Shit Talking with Mark Paul Gossler. Now, is Gosselar?
1: You know that Joe Buck. Um,
0: Joe Buck. Said, I always fuck it up.
1: Joe Buck, he fucked it up. He Well, he didn't fuck up, but he did say Gosselaar. And uh, this is when I was on Fox, and he had to say my name during the- Gosselar. Gosselar. And uh, he got shit for saying that. Like, he gets shit for saying anything. Oh, he gets shit, yeah. So he says Gosselar, and then people start going, dude, you're such a douchebag. It's Gossler. And he's like, oh, my God, I fucked up Mark Paul's name. So he calls to apologize to me. What? And- yeah, yeah, yeah. He, call, he calls to apologize to me. And I play the game. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? How did you not know my name is Mark Paul Gosler, not Gossel Like, why would you do that? And he <laughs> felt like he was mortified. And uh, then, you know, we, we, I, I kind of let him off the hook and told him I was a prank and whatever. And we um, became friends. But it, it, it the the cor- correct pronunciation is probably Gosler, because that's the closest to how we say it in Dutch, which is gosler. But...
0: You gotta get that. <laughs> there
1: you go. All right. You might be, uh, you might be Dutch, All right. um, but we just—I just say Mark Paul Gossler. Gossler, spelled yeah. G-O-S-S-L-E-R, the American version. I love that America. Joe Buck
0: called you up to apologize for mispronouncing your name. That is a sweet fucking thing to do.
1: Uh, he's a sweet man, uh, and and I don't care what anybody says. I like the dude, and I think he does a really good job.
0: Yeah, I do too. All right, this is called shit talking. With Mark Paul Gossler. this is a. These are my patrons. They give back to the podcast. They care about it. They love it. They get to ask some questions. So this is, you know, you can answer them however you want. Uh, some of them might be redundant because we might have talked about it. But here we go. Lisa H. Obviously, I grew up watching you as Zach Morris. But my question is about a more recent role. I love the show Mixed-ish. So disappointed when it was canceled. Do you feel there were more stories to be told? And what episode was your favorite?
1: I feel there were more stories to be told. I was always looking forward to the day. I think the show started in 88. That's that's when uh that's when the era that we were in. Um and I was hoping that we'd get to the 90s because then they could watch Say by the Bell. Uh <laughs> yeah. and I I thought that was kind of that would have been kind of fun. Actually, that show was 86. Oh, fuck, I can't remember, man. See, this is this is my problem. This is what happens. Um <laughs> it's what happens, but yeah, I was. My favorite episode, oh man, I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I I can't remember what episode was fun. I had I had a lot of fun on that show with with those actors. Um good good group, Tika Sumter, great actress. Uh and yeah, I just the the whole experience was good, good fun.
0: Dave P, what convinced you to return to Saved by the Bell?
1: uh what convinced me to return um, say it say
0: it say money just be fucking money
1: no money money was good i mean <laughs> money money was good uh i'm working with tracy Wakefield and um and see, i had a meeting with her before she started writing and she pitched me the idea and i thought it was brilliant and then when i saw it on the page i was like holy shit she she did it she cracked it and then uh yeah money and 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 the fact that I get to put my name on as a producer, those are all good things.
0: Leanne, why do you think Saved by the Bell still resonates with such a younger audience?
1: It's interesting. I I just had a friend of me send me a video of his daughters and I believe they're under 10. Um, And uh, I sent the video back uh, because their favorite character is Zach Morris and they're, they're watching. I have no idea um, why the show still resonates. My, my kids are watching other things like the Thundermans or something like that on, on Nickelodeon. I don't know. Is that, is that a thing? I remember Thunder. the
0: Thundercats.
1: I remember the Thundercats. This is like a live action <laughs> Thundermans. thing. So Thundermans. Like but it's it's like a, this, this TV show where the, the family, it's kind of, kind of like the Incredibles. They all have superhero uh, super abilities, superpowers. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's on Nickelodeon or, or what. My kids watch that. Um and and so I'm always I'm always surprised because there's some really fun shows out there, but people then find say by the Bell and it still feels current and relevant to them. I don't, Maybe I don't it's know.
0: the simplicity. It's the time. It's the just you, you, you care about these guys. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot to it. I mean, you, I mean, you tell me, but I think, you know, it was just easy to watch. You just threw it on and you just had a laugh or you just, you know, oh you like the girl or oh I want to be the cool guy or I want to go, you know, I'm the geek. <laughs> you know it's i don't sort know of, man i don't know I, I, I
1: don't know because there's saved by the bell the new class there's uh yeah. hanging uh hang time there's california dreams all these shows and for some reason people take out saved by the bell
0: yeah david h you've been in some amazing shows worked with some amazing people who do you think has been your biggest mentor and who have you remained friends with through the years
1: uh biggest mentor was dennis franz um and and that whole crew uh steven dennis franz mark tinker um dennis franz actually so you
0: got you became close with and you actually hung out with a lot
1: yeah yeah he he retired from the business once once uh nypd blue was over that was it he was done he came to see me do a play in 2010 or 2009 he came to see me do a play uh, in new york um and i asked him at that point we went out for dinner afterwards and i said do you, you don't miss it and he goes no not really Cause he was so fucking good. He's, he, he's, he were, he's just an amazing actor and he kind of just gave it up. Uh, uh, yeah. And just walked away. I mean, he said he made it, I don't I, I, He made a shit ton of money. I guess this felt, I don't know what he felt to be honest. With you. I mean, it like, gets,
0: don't you think it gets old? Do you ever think about God, I'd like to have enough money to, or I'd like to just walk away? Or do you really just like it so much that you want to keep doing it to your old and gray? Or do you kind of feel like, God, I'd like to be done with this shit.
1: there's part of me that would like to be done with the grind, right? I I would love to have Dennis Franz money (laughs) and basically live, you know, the life that I want to live. But there's part of me that there's the creative side of me, right? Where I would still want to be a part of some creative process, whether that's working with uh, directors or producers or what, I don't know if I necessarily need to be in front of the camera. I don't, I, I, I get just as much joy being behind the camera that I do in front. So but I do like to create. I do like to, I like the process. I like, I like collaborating
0: camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, Michelle cage, you keep any cool shit from saved by the bell.
1: <laughs> I wish I did. I talked about this on the uh, podcast. Um, I, I, I wasn't sentimental at all. You know, being a 16 year old, uh, not, I wasn't sentimental of anything. Uh, my health, you know, girlfriends, whatever. Um, I didn't start becoming sentimental until, uh, NYPD blue. And when that wrapped, I was close to 31. And when that wrapped, um, I took my fake gun. I took my badge. I took my notepad. I took a lamp that was sitting on Sipwitz's desk. I took, I took whatever the fuck wasn't bolted down. Um, but from Saved by the Bell, I had nothing. And as I watched the shows, I go, fuck, I wish I would have taken that. Like there was this episode where we had these screech masks, i was like
0: i wish i had that oh man
1: yeah i for saved these, a lot of like, shit. Zach shirts i yeah. stole a lot of you shit did? oh
0: yeah i stole a lot of shit from the set jackets so like lex white president suits uh jacket where i played zod this jacket they made for me um uh, a mask that i wore where my character splits in half which is up there onyx uh scripts got shit signed. I just was like, I always felt like this is gonna be my last show. Every show I ever did. I always thought they're going to figure me out. You know, I think a lot of actors think that, but I thought just, you know, I'm gonna get autographs. And if I go broke, I'll just sell this shit.
1: Do you have a problem? Do you have a problem asking people for autographs?
0: No. If you if you were here right now, if you came over, you'd see I have a room full of uh, posters, autographed horror movies. I got the whole cast signed: Aliens, my thing by Kurt Russell signed the thing poster, and Escape from New York, uh, my Fright Night poster from the director Tom Holland, uh, Evil Dead, Bruce Campbell, Kiefer Sutherland, and Jason Patrick signed my Lost Boys poster. Uh, I just I don't give a shit, man. I just I love it. I I was a collector. I went to cons bef- conventions before I was uh, an actor or made it or anything. And I just still feel like that kid. So yeah, I, I don't give a fuck, but I know most people yeah. do. Most people are like, I don't ask for autographs. That's weird, dude. Yeah. I
1: don't know. I, 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 I don't have, I mean, I'm trying to think if I have autographs, I, I, not that I, I mean, I think I have a few jerseys downstairs. Joe Montana.
0: You have Joe Montana? You know, uh,
1: I have a football from him. I did ask him for see, this is the thing. People will fuck it up for you, right? I, I was at a um, I think it was a Madden event, you know, when when, when they used to like ask celebrities to come out. We were doing like a, a flag football game for Madden. Yeah. And it was down and and um I got uh I got Montana's autograph and I asked for another guy's um uh, not gonna name his name, but he gave me the dirtiest fucking look when I got it. And I was like, man, I didn't want to do this to begin with, and now you're giving me, making me feel bad. Wow. Fuck, I'm decided. I mean, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't think I've, I have do not think I've done it since. I mean, oh uh, man,
0: have, I did that with uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was on the show called Breaking, and he was just a guest star. And I had some scenes with him. And I go, and I, I said, fuck, for the cast, I bought a whole bunch of boxing, boxing gloves, like six of them or seven of them. And I go, I came in his trailer. I go, hey, would you sign? I go, beforehand, I go, would you mind signing a glove? He goes, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, I'll sign your glove. I'll sign the boxing glove for you. And I went into his uh, trailer, and I had, he goes, what the What the fuck is this, man? I go, oh, it's just for the cast. He goes, oh, shit, man. I just thought I, thought I was signing for just you, man. I go, oh, oh, you can. My bad. I just thought he goes, no, it's fine, man. It's fine. But I could tell he was upset. And I was like fuck dude and then I thought who gives a fuck I'm yeah. never, I'll never see him again fucking no, I just no. got six autographs No no
1: you know why <laughs> He You were you were taking advantage of Iron Mike just like I wasn't was I was just giving life.
0: the cast I was trying to be no. nice but he's,
1: yeah. he's probably thinking back look dude I give you a fucking I give you a morsel and you ask for the whole plate like, right like, I asked I, for my That's he's his right. whole life right He's
0: right though he's right I was a dick you're right I just thought about it I'm a dick but I still but you're you're welcome cast I'm, a, I'm appreciative fox fox. Uh, <laughs> he you know, was,
1: um, he was on, on, on uh, Franklin and bash as well. And, um, uh, Brecken had a funny little face to face with him. Uh, he was, he, it was right after he did this, um, you know, the whole thing with the, with the Broadway thing. Yeah. And it was like, everybody was so impressed with how he did. And so that's what he was supposed to play. Like this refined man who gave up violence and, um, the line, like long story short, Brecken's supposed to hit him and he's supposed to be like, why would you do that? I, 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 you know, I'm, 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 I'm just, you know, I'm a Broadway guy now kind of thing, but he took it the other way. No one gave him any direction. So when Brecken does this fake punch and, 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 you know, hits him, he gets in Brecken's face as full Mike Tyson, like the guy that you fear, he's like, "Why the fuck would you do that?" And like all of us, back the fuck up. And I was like, "Whoa, this guy is going to attack Brecken." And then after that take was over, the director's like, "That was great, Mike. Uh, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to, we're going to, you know, wow. it's, it's actually the opposite of that. You're just." you're 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 the guy on broadway you know that that guy that's the guy we want Jesus. he's like oh okay 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 yeah i got that wrong <laughs> and he did it and it was it was great but man he's 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 still so freaking intense
0: oh my god uh maya p you've been working constantly for 40 years nearly 40 years what advice would you give someone on how to maintain longevity in the business
1: uh phew, man um don't take it personally
0: Oof. i guess that's the hardest thing you just said but you're right The chief, the chief says, what's your fondest story or memory with Screech, Dustin Diamond?
1: You know, we we were close when we were doing the show and then all of us went our own way. So there were many, many years where we weren't in each other's lives. Um, But I just remember laughing a lot with Dustin. He was the goofiest motherfucker you ever could get uh, in, in the same room with. He made these choices that were just choices that only he could make on on screen. He was really good. He was a very talented actor um, at a very young age. Um, But we we had a a lot of good times and and, um, just remember a lot of laughter with him and playing video games. I remember playing a lot of video games with the guy too. Him and his dad. We'd just sit in his room and he had like a Neo Geo uh, back when that was like the premier gaming platform. And uh, he was the coolest Gio, kid today.
0: Gio, My God. I mean, were, was it tough when you heard about it you, the loss? Did you feel like he was just kind of, it was just shocking to you? Were, you? were you shocked or did you know about it?
1: I was totally shocked because the year before I had seen him at a Comic-Con and we were next to each other and you know, it, it, uh, he never said a word about his health. And then to find out that he died so quickly um, without any of us really knowing what, was going on that that was shocking and and really sad that he didn't, he he didn't, uh, you know, connect with us a little bit more before his passing. Um, I don't, I don't think it's his fault. I just think that maybe he thought things were going to be better. um, Thought he'd get through it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it it, it was shocking. It was very sad. And, and and, uh, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, he was only 42 or so.
0: Unbelievable. Do you, Last last question, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but with all the work and all the success you've had and all the shows you've done, did you ever have to deal? Did you ever deal, I always ask the guests, did you ever deal with uh, any anxiety? Did you do you still deal with anxiety? Is it something that's been a part of you, or something that you look you're looking at me like, of course, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Fuck, dude, I haven't. I have anxiety. Like I, I had anxiety coming on your show. I have anxiety. Like <laughs> I do too. Minutes I... before it, come on, I swear to you, I, I have anxiety. Like I'm riddled with anxiety. Me too. Um, It it just, it it just, I I don't, I don't do anything other than punish myself, um, with sport and working out. Uh, thankfully I don't abuse alcohol or drugs. I don't, uh, I'm not reliant on any sort of substance to get me through my anxiety. I try to work on it by, um, making myself a better human being and, 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 finding things that will you know make me better i i got into cold exposure last year and uh that's helping with anxiety and and um you know there's certain things that i'm uh, like natural supplements that i take uh trying to trying to understand myself um i know i'm being very vague but no uh, this this
0: helps i think a lot of people especially that listen you know the hearing from like someone like yourself that you know you deal with anxiety they're like they're probably shocked you know and it just it helps normalize that and also you know you're saying exercise helps you obviously right you said cold therapy yeah. what's cold therapy <clears throat> what, or cold uh, what is that exposure exposure
1: uh, I, I did a I did a film with Ryan quantin and, and uh, before that I knew nothing about cold exposure he, he basically goes into the ocean every morning and every night. I and mean, he just like, no matter how cold it is. And I was, I was so fascinated with that. Does a lot of meditating. I don't have the capacity to meditate as much as I'd like to, or at all. It's just like, if I have 10 minutes, I'd rather punish myself with jujitsu or, you know, hitting a, a bag or, or weights or, you know, doing a CrossFit routine. Um, but I'm learning to really put a lot of effort into recovery and whether that's, you know, getting enough sleep and um, eating better, not that I ate like shit, but eating more towards um, eating enough for me uh, in a way. And, and that doesn't mean like consumption and and, and uh, but eating to my body.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, this has been a real treat, man. I, I appreciate you coming on here and be so open and candid, you never know with guests and you were really just forthcoming. <laughs> you are, you're just like, you know, cause I read somewhere you're, you know, you are, you're a shy guy, you're a private guy. And when I've met you, you just, you're always humble and sweet and you just never know. I'm like, well, this could be a really quick interview or, uh, you know, and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun for me.
1: I think, I think the reason why I tend to be shy is cause I'm worried about what, what can happen with my words. And I'm sure, you know, in this day and age now you <laughs> say one fucking thing yeah, and know. it just like, people take a a snippet of it and it, again, because I care so much, they take it and I go, fuck.
0: That's not what I, that just happened with a guest, uh, you know, I had Jensen Ackles on and, um, you know,
1: he yeah i heard that one i he, heard what
0: he said he didn't and if you listen to it it's like i love her she's like a sister but she was horrible And that it wasn't it was almost joking but you know the way they put it out there is horrible to work with and it just exploded and went viral and exploded i texted exploded. him and, I, and he was like he's like dude you know i don't give a fuck what can you do it's like you know it's like
1: <laughs> see up, you know, we need the jensen Eccles diet that's the diet we need we need that diet yeah the zero fucks
0: yeah it's I, like I,
1: you know the zero sugar monster energy drink and, and zero fucks <laughs> zero fucks and,
0: uh, that's that's my resolution zero fucks ryan ryan's my engineer over there right, yeah ryan? good
1: luck good luck how long that you, you break that resolution uh, <sighs> you have a better chance of being uh, dry for the entire 2022
0: well dude let's get together sometime i'd love to see when all this shit's done and we could just get together for a, a soda or some shit
1: <laughs> soda
0: a beer, whatever. Yeah. We'll get together for whatever. Soda. I don't know. Do fuck. they even
1: make soda anymore?
0: I don't I mean, know. Is that, do they? Like... <laughs> I don't even. My, one of my New Year's resolutions was to get done with soda. No more sodas. So we'll do something else. What do you Are you a drinker? Do you drink?
1: Yeah. I. Uh, well, I like to have a, a dram every night of scotch. Um, my, my wife is Scottish. Even before I'm, we were together, I was always into having scotch. Uh love scotch. Um, try not to do that every night but it's pretty hard not to um but uh, do you do any sport besides i mean i knew you were doing softball and stuff like that uh
0: you know i do the the softball with friends and stuff i'm you know i play a little tennis here and there a little golf um and i'm going to start playing hockey again i think you know recreationally oh but yeah I, you know i just got to be careful but yeah I, I just i miss it so much that i got to get back on the ice
1: are you are you with the uh, brockheimer guys yeah again, i still play
0: you- down there at the uh sports center the toyota sports center now
1: Wait, is that still El Segundo? El
0: Segundo, yeah. So uh, I haven't played in like That's seven months. but I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to do it. Why don't you try? It's been a while.
1: Well, when was the last time you played? Eight months ago. Oh, well, fuck. Yeah, I played. The last time I played was 2016.
0: Big deal. You go out one, you look like shit. The next time you come out, you look like less shit. and You just keep getting better.
1: All right, you give me the invite for those guys, and I'll see if I can make it work.
0: I will. I we'll, really will. We'll
1: Carpool together. We'll we will. Carpool together.
0: All right, cool. That, that's,
1: that's a long ass drive
0: too. That's ah, a good forty-five minute drive, but when you got some Hall and Oates in the car, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good to see you, dude. I love this man. I appreciate it, and I'll send. I'll let you know when it's coming out.
1: Sounds good, buddy. All I right. appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: I I, I was uh, I, you know I was a tad nervous. He's a big get. Well, I, I thought you know he was a great guest, but I was worried that you know I was going to want to talk about it. maybe he doesn't even want to talk about Saved by the Bell, maybe he doesn't want to talk about. He talked about everything. When I brought up did you date when you dated these guys or what you who was your friend? That he he opened up. Yep, I like that man. So uh, I, I think you could appreciate that. I hope uh, you enjoyed the podcast. I know I did. Um, reminding you to join Patreon if you want uh, to give back to the podcast and keep it going. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Support us. Um, also, Inside of You online store to get cool merch like scripts, model scripts, and tumblers from inside of you. I think I have – there's so much great stuff. Go to the Inside of You online store and also uh, my band, Sunspin. We're recording a new album. Go to sunspin.com and you could uh, book a, book the band for a Zoom. Um, I'm also on the Cameo. You know who got me in the Cameo? Who? Sean Astin. Really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm sean Aston got me in the cameo and people really like the cameo they like getting birthday messages and things and i I have a lot of fun with it i really have a lot of fun with it i'll sing to people i'll joke with people i'll you know i'll do whatever i'm a monkey (laughs) dance dance monkey dance uh but uh look i appreciate you guys choosing this podcast every week or at least maybe just this week if you're here but if you enjoyed it maybe you'll stick around and listen to other guests we get deep and it's not like uh, it's it's unlike a lot of other podcasts where they just talk about fluff and actor stuff we I try to get a little deep and we find out things that you you know you as a uh, listener can relate to and you know whether it's anxiety or mental health issues or just facing adversity it's it's something that uh, I like to dive into when the guests are open and willing to do so uh it's this time um to list off all the wonderful patrons that have made this show possible thank you couldn't do it without you i've said it before join patreon go to patreon.com slash incite but these are the top tier nancy d leah F. what F. yes correct <laughs> sarah F. v little lisa U. Kiko. Jill. E. Brian. H. Nico. P. Robert. C. B. Yes. Jason. W. Kristen. K. Allison. L. Raj. C. Joshua. D. CJ. P. Jennifer. N. Stacy. L. Jen. S. Jamal. F. Janelle. B. Kimberly. E. Mike. uh, D. E. Correct. Eldon. Supremo. 99. More. San tiago m correct chad d no you no close to you chad w w is that what you said <laughs> i said d w well, i'm gonna give you that leanne uh, right. uh p janine r maya p maddie s belinda and chris h dave h spider-man chase sheila g brad d ray h tabitha t tom N. Liliana. A. Talia. C. No. N. Close. M. Correct. I'm going to give you that. Betsy. R. No. Oh, no. Can't miss Betsy. Betsy D. That's correct. Betsy D. Chad. Is this not Chad D? This is going to rhyme. Chad. L. Andra. L. Rochelle. Rochelle. Oh, Rochelle. Marion, Meg K, Trav L, Dan N, Big Stevie. W. God, you know, Ryan just nailed a ton, a shit ton in order. <laughs> that is surprisingly amazing. Big Stevie W, Angel M, and C, Corey K, Super Sam, Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, Gavinator, David C, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, The C. Joey M, Willie F, David H, Adelaide N, Omar I, Lena N, Design OTG, Eugene and Leah. Hello. Chris P, Nikki G, Corey, Patricia, Heather, Jake B, James B, Bobbit, Abel F, Joshua B. Abel, I just sent you stuff. I just sent you from Patreon. You know, you're in the top tier, so you get merch. I just remember sending you a box of merch. I'll just say that. I remember saying, Abel. Joshua B, Tony G, Sean R, Megan T, Mel S, Orlando C, John B, Caroline R, Darren B, Robbie E, Robbie, Paul C, Christine S, Sarah S, Sarah S, Eric H, Spring and Jennifer R. couldn't do the podcast without you guys. Uh I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um another week we just keep going. We just keep going with podcasts. It's uh, you know, it's it's nice cuz now we're going to get like uh, the rest of this week off after we do our ads, stay so ryan and i will have mm-hmm. this week and next week off but you won't because we'll have podcasts edited and ready for you so don't worry the podcast must go on but i know that i'm getting a little bit of a break and so are you good and that will be nice won't it yeah that's nice to get a little two-week break yeah yeah and then we'll come back and we'll fire away um don't you think well i can't say it but you know there is a big surprise coming and uh I can't wait to share it with you. Once we can share it, um, you'll be the first ones on this podcast to, when I announce it to hear it. Um, something good is coming. So Sweet. from myself here in the Hollywood Hills of California, I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Ryan Teas. Ryan Teas, a little wave to the camera. We love you. And most importantly, Ryan, what? Uh, be good to each other. And be good? B- uh, humans. And be good? to to yourself, yourself oh. yes i think that's the most important thing i mean obviously be good to others is, is, is important <laughs> you're pointing at you it's like be good to you but good to michael but <laughs> uh be good to yourselves enjoy your week enjoy your life you only get one as far as we know so just make the most of it have fun live a little all right we'll see you next week
1: Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.